Welcome back to New Rockstars, I'm Eric Voss, and this is a breakdown of Rick and Morty Season 4, Episode 9, Childric of Mort! The episode that literally killed God, or a Zeus named Reggie, by accident, but also acknowledges the existence of the real God. It was just a real roller coaster of blasphemy and monotheism. I'm actually gonna kill two gods with one stone this week and break down all of the episode's subtle animation jokes and re-explain the deeper agenda of this episode. And a little later, I'm gonna go even deeper to the episode with voice actor Nolan North. Yes! Okay, the episode's title, Childric of Mort, is a nod to Children of Men, the amazing Alfonso Cuaron film in which Clive Owen becomes an unlikely surrogate father figure to the last pregnant woman in a post-apocalyptic fertility crisis world. Now, the plot is quite different from this episode of Rick and Morty, but thematically, Rick, too, learns the lesson of paternal responsibility. Rick's god-level ego means his exes are macro-sized, from a hive-mind race and autoerotic assimilation to now a whole living planet named God. Gaia. Similar to Ego the Living Planet from Marvel, but her name, Gaia, has roots to Greek mythology, the kind of personification of Mother Earth. Actually, come to think, there's also a Gaia or Gaia in Marvel. See folks, if there's something to rip off from mythology, comics have done it. Like season three's ninth episode, this season four ninth episode focuses on Rick and Beth's relationship. Beth forces Rick to finally be a good parent to the Clay children in order to redeem his absent parenting to her. But the noble parental goals devolve into a petty ego battle battle between gods and between their mortal champions. That leaves the youth of this episode scarred and broken. It's a moral that's typically cynical on the show. Parents' deepest motivation is actually their egotistical, vain, childish whims of the gods of mythology and the Old Testament. My kids must be in my image, and someday I'll abandon them. Summer begins the episode feeling FOMO for a stupid spring break party. Break. I'm missing Mike Triscuit's drug party. Look at this. He's already watching Euphoria to pregame. <laughs> Mike Triscuit? which is how dumb the names of all friends of teenagers sound, has a glow stick necklace as they're gramming about watching HBO's Euphoria. I hate these kids. Rick tries to block out Gaia's seismic texts. Why are you building a Faraday box to block out the signal? A Faraday box, or Faraday cage, blocks out electromagnetic signals. That's why Rick tests it with an electromagnet. I love that he had this folded up and ready to go. Summer calls Rick a f boy, which Jerry fails to repeat. At least we know why Rick actually came on the trip to avoid his f guy problem. Why and this has been pointed out in past seasons, but the Smith family car is modeled on the green and wood-paneled station wagon driven by the Griswolds in National Lampoon's Vacation. Rick reveals I f***ed a planet. And on the surface, he paraphrases Neil Armstrong. Sex with a living planet? Big step for mankind. Now, the site of this conception is a huge crater, which is especially gross when you realize Gaia's previous partner, was the Zeus, Reggie, who caused this crater. Gaia geysers out offspring. I am, I am. Notice how Justin Roiland shouts, I am. As a nod to Renee Descartes, I think, therefore I am. A little spark of existentialism, similar to the simplistic but rapidly evolving Meeseeks. Rick says, This, I thought she was gonna shit an egg. As a nod to the Promordius episodes a few weeks back, which showed asexual reproduction via egg shitting. Meanwhile, Jerry takes the kids camping, Dad, can we please go back and hang out with Grandpa's clay people? Why? Because they might have a Sega Dreamcast? <laughs> of course, Jerry's go-to console reference. It's a freaking Sega Dreamcast. The Jerry of game consoles. Rick and Beth engineer a system to sort and develop the clay children into a functioning society. They divert the lawyers past the ethics tube, and then there's this interesting exchange. Why aren't the athletes going through the introvert sector? Obviously, so they can bully the mathematicians and give us astronomers. God, you are such a space nerd. I'm not a nerd. We're raising a society here, Beth. 
spacecraft. If we want them to be self-sufficient, they need to get out into space. Uh-huh. So this is Rick's, and I suppose the writer's, philosophy on society. They say that the function of jocks is to bully nerds into wanting to escape this planet so that the nerds will become engineers and then escape into space. And that technology propelling all of society forward. And we see this throughout the episode. Rick and Beth lead the clay people to develop aerospace engineering and a generation vessel to colonize other worlds. But then the ultimate jock returns, the Zeus, Reggie. Actually, in the end tag, the planet's only ad listed athletes only, suggesting that in this universe, jocks merely procreate and battle the nerds in order to make the nerds better and making society better. Actually, I'm starting to sound like that incel hookah smoker who was voiced by Nolan North, who is coming in just a couple minutes. There are so many fun details in the Clay People factory. They get syringed in the butts that forces their mouths open in pain and their mouths are stuffed with like nutrient goo. The screens around them are filled with basic food emojis, including a banana and apple forming a dick shape, of course. Playing cards show the new suits of Rick's culture, like the three of shits, the four of skulls. There's a tic-tac-toe screen, maybe like the one in war games where they taught the computer AI to keep itself from annihilating its own world. The clay people pinball on a board with round earth, flat earth, and middle earth, which if you think about it, is a fairly legit way to categorize our society among rational thinkers, conspiracy theorists, and just the escapist fantasy imaginative types who don't need to play well with others, we can play with ourselves, phrasing. They're sorted into careers like laborer, scientist, interns, medic. We got an oversupply of teachers putting a strain on the literary drive. Activating playwright converter. And that playwright track spanks the people and conditions them with screens of angry people. It's kind of a meta joke by the writers that in order to write drama, you have to have been exposed to abuse and conflict at a young age. There's a great dig at therapists. Okay, the therapists are getting bored. We need to increase their supply of incest porn. 20% wasn't enough. Implying that therapists tend to be into those Freudian ideas related to incest. And based on the teaser for next, week, it looks like they're going to go back to their therapist, Dr. Wong, who we saw in the Pickle Rick episode. How long have you all been eating poop? We have never eaten poop. There's a category called unproductives, which includes DJs, foodies, and influencers, which backs up and blows up the human resources department. Maybe a joke about how the unproductive aspiring influences in the office tend to be the ones who disrupt HR departments with like firings and complaints. And they end this all with a great dig at online colleges. I can add an online uh, college workaround. Or just push them out through a pipe in the back. Same Same thing. thing. Rick maintains his factory with floating drone Mortys, suggesting Rick has built a fleet of robot Morty laborers to serve him like pass the butter robot slaves. Jerry falls in a river and he pinballs against the rocks with nature, kind of sorting him before he ends up in the unproductive filter. Along with him in the filter is this stupid bag of marshmallows, the key to the miracles he performs for his clay outcasts. Dan Harmon sings the camping song. We get this montage intercutting between Rick and Beth rapidly evolving the clay people to Jerry deep evolving them into a deliberately tribal state of nature. Jerry gets these tribal tattoos of the clay person heads, and he tells two of them in a sleeping bag. There you go, guys. Pump those cheeks. That's the camping spirit. Hmm, maybe it's my former Boy Scout days talking here, but I'm pretty sure they're doing that thing where you strip off all your clothes and share a sleeping bag with another camper to share body heat and prevent hypothermia, which it would probably lead to other things. And also that might've been something they just said to me. And a little glimmer of hope here, one of the rejects defies his sorting to actually succeed at technological development building a house. Squeeb, this is not a tent. It is a new kind of tent with special gutters to funnel the rain and a door. It's a house. He's named Squee, which comes directly from the legendary Kavanaugh hearings. One of our friends, Squee, 
when he said the F word, starting at a young age, had kind of a wind up to the F word. Kind of a Yep, that happened. Squee was a real name. I had to look it up. It somehow wasn't one of the parody ones. He's beautiful. <laughs> Creepy cow. <laughs> About lifting weights with PJ and Squee and Donkey Dong Doug. Getting back in my lane here. Morty and Summer find a crashed ship. Probably drove through a nebula that made them see their own fears. That sounds like a nod to Event Horizon in which space travelers drift too close to a dimension to hell that gives them nightmare visions. Rick and Beth celebrate, and Rick can't remember who Elton John is? I'm, I'm pretty good when someone's in my register. Like, the guy that sings Circle of Life. I can't remember his name. He dresses up weird. <laughs> God arrives, well, rather, a Zeus, whom Gaia calls Reggie. And Rick immediately blasphemes. This guy swoops in after we raise his whole civilization and tells us he forgives us. What a Mooch. But this deity critiques Rick's human creation. This city is a monument to nothing! Where is their faith? Yeah, he doesn't call it out, but he's essentially calling it the Tower of Babel from the Old Testament, the advanced city that God knocked over just to punish men for their God-aspiring pride. I mean, who is really the, the proud one there? Don't smite me, please. But Rick absorbs the smite to triangulate the source of his power and match it. Got you now, you son of a bitch. Sweetie, you handle the hippies, I'll handle the off-brand Yahweh. Kick his ass, Dad. Bear witness. Notice that Beth just pulled a 180 from telling Rick that they need to leave this god and this planet behind. Now she wants him to fight? What changed for her was seeing Jerry show up with a stupid camping army and that this god aligned with them. See, this is some ego she inherited from Rick to make her too proud. Rick faces the Zeus, who has a Z belt buckle for Zeus, and the Greek letter Phi as a chest tattoo. It's not the Alpha and Omega that I would suspect, though he is not the real god. Kind of makes him more of a frat bro who stands over Rick to flash him. Their fight is awesome. It's a drawn out brawl, a bit repetitive, but the episode's writers compared it to two sports dads fighting in the parking lot, which yeah, it's just kind of sad to watch. I love the thunderclap that they included when Zeus elbows him. And Morty's ship controls do look a bit like the video game controls with some Nintendo buttons visible. And Morty paints on labels, CD player, menu, elevation, auto, block, kick, pause, Fire all and puppy. Okay, but of course, the, all these controls are totally wrong. In the battle, Jerry channels Moses parting the moat like the Red Sea, and he released locusts like one of the plagues of Egypt. Zeus bests Rick and reveals himself as a petty Old Testament god who rules via fear. The only lesson they need is right here, fear. But Morty and Summer run their ship into his brain like a bullet, leaving this colossal corpse, kind of like that dead giant in Anatomy Park in season one. Rick reunites with his grandkids. Papa, we played video games and got a high. We did wrong, whoa, we whoa, did whoa, wrong. Whoa, 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 little boopas. Come on now. You kids, you did real good here. You did good. Getting high and playing video games is the best. I swear to God, and I will never sell you out ever. Yeah, he makes his promise here, but he immediately breaks his promise exactly when he just feels powerless in the family later, so he wants to corrupt everyone and drag them all down into chaos. Your kids got high on alien mist and drove the ship into that Zeus guy's head, basically murdered him. Zeus's corpse crashes onto the planet, impaling on the tower. The animators included his bloody ribcage split open. Ugh. And this is all making good on Rick's threat from earlier. When I'm done with you, you'll need a staff to unpart your face. And during the chaos, one of the clay people plays Obi-Wan to Jerry. Use the s'more, Jerry. Morty looks down on all this carnage, much like the guilt he felt seeing all the carnage in the Primordius episode. I 
jeez, oh, that, that poor guy. Can you maybe not tell mom and dad? Relax, it's just a Zeus. If this was the real god, it'd, it'd be a completely different story. Mm, the smart line by the writers, revealing that Rick is less atheistically nihilistic than we thought, but possesses an agnostic and healthy fear of the unknown. Or maybe just the real god of this universe is an alternate version of Rick. Who knows? We'll see. Beth asks. I mean, Guy is not gonna raise those guys to hunt us down, right? Oh, most definitely. I put a tracker on their ship. I'll blow it up if they come anywhere near me. Yeah, Rick says, me, which isn't at all reassuring to the rest of the family. The post credit scene was the funniest of the season, with Rick watching an ad for planetsonly.com. One of the planets is covered in nipples, and they mention barely habitable planets, like barely legal. One planet is just a blonde. They tease their holes in their ozones. One wants you to split his Pangea into distinct continents, making me suddenly very suspicious of the Marianas Trench. And there's this quick text reading, if you're looking for a real planet who will value your mind and not just your body, your cosmic queen awaits. No fatties, no shorties, athletes only. Eggplant emoji, planet, rocket. Rick closes his laptop as summer passes and then tries to pass off this weird planet kink as just a comedic premise. Something I'm sure none of us have ever considered doing. But before we continue breaking this down with our special guests, thanks to Bang Energy for sponsoring this video. Every can of Bang is 16 ounces. It contains 300 milligrams of caffeine. It's sugar-free and has zero calories. Yet it tastes really great. There's over 20 different flavors to choose from. One of those great flavors is purple guava pear. <laughs> yep, I'm getting the accents of the pear and the guava and the purple. Look, there are mornings where I was up late the night before writing a full movie breakdown. It's exhausting, but a can of Bang Energy helps pick me up so that I can, you know, star blast through more work. There's, there's another flavor called Star Blast. That one's also really good. Check out Bang on Instagram. You can get 25% off your order at bang-energy.com when you use the code NEWROCKSTARS25. There you can buy cans of Bang Energy, including their sweet tea and keto coffee flavors. You can also get clothing, fitness supplements, all kinds of stuff to be your best banging self. There are zero artificial colors and they have a better that's called Stoked that has broad spectrum hemp extract if you're down for that. Thanks again to Bang Energy for sponsoring this video. Get 25% off at bang-energy.com using the code NEWROCKSTARS25. And now joining me to discuss this episode is a voice that we've been familiar with for years. Uh, he voices Nathan Drake in Uncharted, Desmond Miles, Assassin's Creed, animated versions of Deadpool, a ton of voices you've heard on a ton of shows, including Rick and Morty. No, I'm part of the floating no-gasm brotherhood. We believe we're keeping him alive by redirecting our suppressed sexual energies. By then, of course, he had left toys and flesh drops for every one of us in the spore hive. Minds like these suck plutonium up to the cities where corporations use it to power everything. From diamond cars to golden showers, and the more we remove, the more Pluto shrinks. There it goes again. Just shrank a little. Nolan North, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me, man. This is so exciting. And also joining us is uh, Rick and Morty superfan and paternity denier to millions, yes. Tommy Bechtold. Hello. Mm, it's not something to be Hello. proud of. Paternity yeah. denier. I like that. Right. <laughs> If the, if you he writes all these intros for him. I do. So. I don't list any credits. I just list terrible, <laughs> terrible things that I do. Mm. Mm. He insists this is the only way we'll get to know him. And we're just like, That's just right. talk to us about your life. Yeah. Speaking of which, um, Eric, I have something I need to talk to you about after the show. But we shouldn't do it uh -oh. on the air. And uh, let's sounds, put it this way. Sounds... I owe you a lot of Christmas presents, buddy. What? Papa? Mm -hmm. well, <laughs> oh, no. We'll find out. They had those clinics uh, near my college, too. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, everybody needs money for pizza on a Friday night. So it was it was it was it was fifty bucks, fifty bucks a, a, a visit, but you could only go uh, like twice a month. And I was like, eh, I don't need a hundred bucks that bad. <laughs> I I had this theory that I could go in and make a grand in about two days. And then I was like, <laughs> I was like, look, I'm just going to need a, my own room, right, and some quiet. <laughs> Yes. And this was, by the way, kids. This was before the internet. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, different times. Speaking of paternity, uh, Nolan, back in season two, there was that Unity episode which revealed one of Rick's exes being like a whole hive mind race, and I thought mm-hmm. it was similar to this episode, which we get to see another one of Rick's ex uh, partners. It's an entire planet, uh, yeah. and I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. In that past episode you might have done the voice of the stadium full of rick's dads who chanted go son go go son go go son go yes go son go yeah uh, so yeah. in my head canon so. that makes you the official voice of rick's father so i want to know what wow. you make of rick's I never, parenting i never thought about that um well first of all i was actually i watched this episode with my 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 two sons and uh, <laughs> it's funny because I'm usually I laugh out loud. I mean, I'm I'm nearly fifty, and these these guys are you know teenagers, and it doesn't matter. I mean, this show is so funny. And last night, just yeah, that's right, you know, morning. I the planet. I, I I mean, I, I lost a lot. I mean, I I lost my mind. Uh, just just it's this is a show that I often have to rewind because I'm laughing and I miss the next next bit. And it's written so tightly. It's so you you and it's quick. And I think that's what I love about the humor. I mean, it's so quick that, you know, if you're not paying attention, you're going to miss a great joke. And yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I guess, I mean, I think Rick's the best thing that ever happened to uh, to Morty <laughs> in terms of parenting, because, you know, sometimes grandpa has to step up and teach you the ropes and, uh, <laughs> you know, and you have to learn your lesson like we learned in the Bat of Acid episode. Mm-hmm. Don't screw with grandpa. Uh, but in this one in this one yeah i mean i think uh you know i this one was a little bit near and dear to my heart even though i didn't appear in 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 uh, this this episode uh, just because of his his lesson on video games mm. and, oh yeah <laughs> i mean that that killed me i mean I've, I've been i've been privileged to do so many games and i'm just sitting there going yeah it, you know what he just basically said yeah that's it just play games it was yeah. perfect yeah. I do love that. Yeah, that's like his message. And, you know, for a second, we think that that's how he's going to be able to pilot that spacecraft right. is like, oh, it's just like the controls. How many movies and TV shows have we yeah. seen that where it's just like, it's just like the controls and then immediately doesn't work. Yeah. And she's <laughs> over there. She's of- like, I, and she's just sucking at guys. He turns it. Like, basically, <laughs> yeah. you're sucking on exhaust fumes. I mean, right. yeah, it was perfect. And, and, and just, yeah. just, just to. To debunk that whole myth, He's like, what do you think? It's this is a this is this alien spacecraft. Do you think it's a a, a game controller? No. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. and and Tommy, I want to get you in on this too because I feel like what I loved about this episode and this what the show does often is remind us that even the adult characters and like the grandparent generation, they're all kids. They're right. all like immature and yes. petty in different ways. And yeah. like, what makes that person qualified to be like? a god and lord over someone else's life. <laughs> right. So, like, how, do, how do you feel about Rick as, like, a paternal figure to any of these characters? Do you think he's better than uh, well, uh, Jerry and 
Beth? I, it's, he's, it's so he's definitely different, but it's it's so interesting because you're like, well, based on the like you know the world created by the show, Rick Rick has saved Morty's life, not to mention the rest of the family, countless times. He's also put them in incredible yeah. danger, but he is intellectually and and you know uh, 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 scientifically more capable of helping them, so much more capable than Jerry. Who's like, you know, he's basically, Jerry's basically like basic human urges and like he wants to be loved. He wants to be feared. He wants to have power. Like Rick is so much more sophisticated than that. So I don't know that he's a better parental figure, but he's definitely uh, the odds of of success are far greater if he's captaining the ship, I think, than than Jerry. Jerry's, Jerry's useless. Right. (laughs) <laughs> and that's that's the great thing about Jerry is it, and, and, and as a father, I can tell you sometimes you feel useless, and yet and yeah. yet you and yet you feel like you're responsible to come up with something, even though mm-hmm. it's bullshit. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I think the best thing I ever learned as a parent is to just sometimes go, I don't know. Right. <laughs> that shit you got to figure out yourself, pal. Come on, let's go get an ice cream. <laughs> right. Seriously. And uh, I can re- I can remember t- you know, I have two sisters that were all around the same age. I can remember us like as a group turning on one of my parents and like, you know, just berating them for how much of a failure they they were like in a certain situation on a vacation and like watching that just made me cringe it made me feel so bad for all the times that like as like a 16 year old we'd all turn our heads from the back of the car and be like you suck this is the worst vacation ever <laughs> it's like god that must have just felt awful like that's i really like kar- karmically someday my children will do that to me but i i it definitely that, that part where where summer is berating <laughs> at, by the campfire really hit yeah. home. It was yeah. It, oh, the, the thing about that, I think that's a parent's worst nightmare to be mm. called out <laughs> by your kids. And because the problem with Jerry uh, and and Chris Parnell, who I've worked with on uh, on other projects as well, is just perfect. Mm-hmm. It's just voice. He's just so <laughs> eager to do the right thing, and mm-hmm. do, and it almost like that. He's the guy who bought the guidebook on how to be a parent and he mm-hmm. wrote it and probably made <laughs> notes in the in the in the margins. <laughs> and like any parent will tell you, you you can make all the plans in the world. Mm. Um, you're screwed if you if you go into raising a kid with a plan because mm-hmm. everybody's different. And sure. I just think I think that's what's great is that he represents that father that is just trying to do the gosh darn best. And it's like, you, you don't know shit, man. You don't know yeah. shit. And if you could yeah. just drop your, your ego enough to, to <laughs> and, yeah. and he's got a father-in-law who calls him out on it. So right. everybody dumps on him and yet he just keeps trying. It's just, right. it's just the perfect character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, one thing I loved, uh, one of the writers said like in the behind the scenes on this episode that, um, Basically, Jerry's big life skill is camping, which the writer compared to just being homeless. Like, if you can camp, <laughs> yes. you know how to be, like, make your own fire and sleep in a tent. And, like, yeah, I guess that is what camping okay. is. Like, But I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I that this episode hit home uh, in a number of ways. The gaming, the different parts. But I hate camping. Mm. And <laughs> growing up, my kids want, hey, let's go camping. I'm like, it's, we're good. Where, you want to go? to the, the beach mm-hmm. we're gonna you, you know there's, there's rapists and murderers at the beach mm-hmm. and you're not gonna get in the water it's cold and then you get eaten by a shark and you're really gonna sleep in a tent your clothes are gonna smell like that and yeah we can cook a hot yeah. and my wife would look at me going you're just just ruining 
just the idea. Why don't you just go? Yeah. Just let them learn that thing. And I'm like, yeah. but it's you're outside. There's bugs, and then yeah. it's like you're you're. It's and and like, I'll go all day out in the woods. We'll go hike. I'll do that stuff. But. Mm-hmm. Let's come home and take a shower yeah. and sleep in a bed. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. I worked so hard to make money for you to have a shelter and a right. shower. Like, why do you want to <laughs> yes. go be homeless right now? We're sleeping in the car and I have to clean all this shit up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the song, oh my God, the original song, the camping, like the 80s rock <laughs> yeah. camping song that they sang. <laughs> Even if you hate it, you're still going camping. Wasn't that one of the lines? <laughs> yeah, yeah so. something like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got to ask you guys, because to me, the craziest thing about this episode is for a second, it seemed like they were going to say, not only is Rick a God figure, you're going to see him kill God in this episode. Mm-hmm. But they made like a super clever choice. One of the like final lines of the episode where Rick just goes, if this was the real God, this would be a completely different story. Mm-hmm. And I want to get you guys thoughts on that, because to me, this show always seemed pro intelligent design like a version of intelligent design by rick or or by dan Harmon or justin roiland um but to me it, it like it was crazy that this acknowledged the existence of some kind of one above all creator in this universe what do you guys make of that line how'd you react to it i think it, i think it, i think they played it really well i think uh you know it's a it's a tight wire act uh, when you when you yeah. get into this kind of thing but you know they made a, they made that character more like a Zeus, a god, not the right. god. Yeah, and I think that that's uh, that's what you do. I, but you know, I always looked at it uh, personally like this, and and maybe this is this we can use this for this uh, purposes of this talk. But you you can't you can't you know people say hey, you can't prove there's a god. Yeah, but you can't disprove it either. So yeah. and and I always used to laugh and go. I would rather believe in a higher power mm. because if I'm wrong and I die and go somewhere and everyone's like, ah, oh, look, hey, see, there's no God there. Hey, turn into Norm McDonald. Hey, there's no God. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you got a little egg on your face there. There's no God. <laughs> and, but if there is, hey, I'm a believer. But if there isn't, you know, and if you don't believe and there is, you could be screwed. That's true. Sure. I yeah. just, I'm just, I go pragmatic. I'm just I'm very logically minded. So I think they, they in this episode, they kind of go, yeah, they acknowledge there could be, and right. Rick is smart enough to know it could be, might not, but you can't right. prove it one way or the other. So right. leave it open, yeah. and and that's okay. We well, don't have to have yeah. a definitive answer. Right, and that's a very yeah, Rick, Rick uh, a Rick thing is to always have a cover your ass <laughs> scenario. Yes! So it's like, exactly. that's right. even though there's, you know, all the science in the world and, you know, would point to there being an explanation for all these things, I'm not going to <laughs> risk yeah. being absolute about this point. I'm going to have, once again, another escape plan, whether it's faith or whatever. So I think that was a very, yeah. I think that was a consistent choice by the writers rather than, a, you know, a curveball. Yeah, it kind of it was one of these great lines that like reminded us what the character really is, as opposed to like introduce something new about them. Mm-hmm. It's like I kind of felt when I heard that I'm like, oh right, yeah, because Rick, as aggressively nihilistic and possibly atheistic as he seems, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, he's someone who like respects the unknown mm-hmm. and he understands that there are greater things to uh, be in awe of and fear out yeah. in the cosmos that like he is a healthy i think pragmatism is a good uh, yeah. word for it as well he's got a very practical uh fear of the unknown that's which i, I, I like hearing that that's a good yeah way to, for sure. i love that a practical fear of the unknown it's like yeah, <laughs> yeah. sure 
something could yeah, kill there's, me out there. There are and, things, uh, <laughs> something's out there. Yeah. Mm. Um, Nolan, I, uh, one of the reasons we, I'm loving talking to you is like, and hearing your voice come up on the show over and over again is you just kind of have the voice of like a guy who's just like, I'm just going with this right now. Like you have a, a way to like just normalize a confusing and maybe like messed up scenario, which is so essential to Rick and Morty because it gets so crazy. Can you think of a time that the writers might have handed you a line where you're just like, yikes, this is this is dark or this is dense, <laughs> but yeah, okay, let's do it. You know what? Um, I'd love to give you a story, but I my mind is just as dark as anything Justin and Dan have ever come up with. And I think that's why they hire me, because it's like, yeah. I mean, I'm sitting there going, you know, I can make this worse if you want. They're like, no, just read it. Just read it. Um, that's what I love about it. But that's what I love about this show. They're not afraid to go dark. It's not afraid to be edgy, but funny. It's as long as it's funny, you know, you're not mm. being edgy for edgy's sake. You're just like, right. This is smart humor. This is mm. smart, edgy humor. And it's just, you know, and for people who go, Oh, it's like, you know, no, no, don't stop. We're in this. This is a perfect time for this kind of show because yeah. I think we get, I think people get too safe mm. and they don't want to insult anybody or do anything. And Rick and Morty has been able to not, really insult anybody and yet it still just resonates with everyone uh because it's just we all have a little edge to us no matter what deep down and just you know and for those who don't like it don't ruin my good time don't watch (laughs) but um yeah yeah, i I don't know i mean have they ever handed me anything no, the first, the first, I get a lot of people I meet that remember me as Scroopy Noopers. You know, Pluto's a Yeah, yeah. Just feel that? Just got a little smaller. It's just like, <laughs> just, you know, I remember that one. Uh, then a lot of times I don't have a character name. I'm, you know, agent number one. Mm, or I'm uh-huh. just that alien, have a conversation. You know, like, what do you mean? And I, I love that <laughs> they, they'll name an alien like, you know, Reggie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, no Steve. That's not the way it works. And it's just, there's something just beautiful about the whole thing. So no, no, there's nothing. I've never gotten anything where I was like, Ooh, I, I, of course I don't balk at much. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, I think that's what makes you such a good fit for the show. And we, we really look forward to hearing what future voices come up yes. on the show. Cause it's, it's, a, it's always a delight to hear your voice and uh, whatever character it is. As an actor, it's so much fun to just show up at this session because I honestly have no idea what I'm about to do. We literally sure. walk in, the scripts are there. I don't get them ahead of time to read and prepare. You just kind of go in and go, okay, you read the scene. He tells you a little bit about it. And then you just kind of go, I right, so was it deeper. Say hi. I mean, what? And they're like, no, just go here. And you're like, yeah, that's good. And it's usually, they're very, very quick with the mm-hmm. decisions on, on what they want to hear. And you just, mm-hmm. that might, like, and I love, the guys and the and the different actors you see as you're going in and out all the time, like uh, Maurice LaMarche is in so mm, many yeah. episodes because mm. he's he's got such a great voice just on his own, but he can do so many things. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, it's just uh, it's just it's, it's such a pleasure to work on. So I mean, I I just yeah, anytime he calls, I'm just like yep, just book it, move mm. things. Yeah. If they need me, I'll be there. Awesome. Well, it's been such a pleasure talking to you, Nolan. Thank you so much for coming thanks, on the man. show. Uh, that's this week's episode of Explained Everyone. Big thanks to both you guys, uh, both Nolan and Tommy. We'll find out who all your kids are someday. Yeah, yes. Right. Yeah. 
Fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, you can get early audio versions of the show by subscribing to our Rick Explained podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow New Rock Stars on YouTube, on our socials. Subscribe to this channel for more Rick and Morty breakdowns and breakdowns of everything you love. We'll close out this week with our favorite joke from the episode. I don't care who else stuffed your crust, but I'm the guy that showed up. <laughs> <laughs>